Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. And that's uh, really what we want to talk about this morning, hope. The hope that we have in Jesus. The hope that we have in Advent. I was, uh, I was thinking this week how really Advent, the period of Advent, can connect us to the, uh, to the Jews who were living in the time to pre-Jesus. Because they were waiting for Jesus. They were waiting for this saviour to come. This Messiah who was going to free them. This Messiah who was going to be their salvation. They were waiting. Reading the prophecies. Looking out for signs. Is this, is this the Messiah? No, maybe not this time. Maybe soon. Maybe the Messiah will be here. We hope that the Messiah will come. And we get to kind of enter into that same waiting and share that. Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer said this, uh, an amazing theologian. He said, The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. People who hope in Jesus. Hope is a really powerful thing. And uh, I read a story that was published in a magazine in America. And it's about this self-made millionaire. His name's Eugene Land. And he was asked to go and speak at an American high school uh, in in Harlem. So quite a poor area, deprived area. And he was asked to speak to them about, uh, you know, how to be successful. And he thought, goodness me, what am I ever going to say to these students, these students who, you know, the, the likelihood is, the, t- the statistics say, they won't even make it through high school. How am I supposed to give them hope? How am I supposed to encourage them that they can make something of themselves when, you know, really, actually, it feels like the odds are stacked against them? And so he went and he had something prepared and he stood in front of these uh, 59 sixth graders And he scrapped all of his notes. And instead he said to them, if you stay in school, I will pay for your tuition for college. He gave every person in that room hope. They had hope that they could achieve something, achieve something that they never even considered was an option for them. He gave them hope. And 90% of that class went on to graduate from college. Isn't that amazing? Hope is such a powerful thing. Having hope can completely rewrite our lives. It can completely rewrite what we think we are capable of because of hope. Now that's that's kind of the that's the kind of the real hope but I think some of us certainly I've realized this week or the last few weeks how many times I use the word hope when I don't really mean hope you know, uh, I hope that we have a white Christmas. I hope that England win their next match. I hope that I get a parking space at Morrison's. I hope that my meeting doesn't go too bad today. I hope that the traffic isn't too bad. I hope I, I hope we, I hope it. 
they aren't real hopes, you know? That's just the way that we've kind of used the word and changed the meaning of the word hope. And we've lost the depth of hope when our hopes are really just wishful thinking about trivial things. Yeah? We've lost the depth of what hope is when our hopes are just wishful thinking about trivial things like snow (laughs) and parking spaces. Real hope is more than just wishful thinking. Real hope can exist alongside difficult situations. Hope is different to a wish because in hope we have some control. We can work towards our hopes. For example, I hope that one day I will live in a world without suffering. Therefore, I put my hope in Jesus. Because in Jesus, I know that there will be a world without suffering. There is a difference between hoping for something and placing our hope in something. In 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, in fact, 1 Peter talks a lot about hope, which is really interesting because it also talks a lot about difficulties, which I guess kind of shows us that point that hope and difficulties can coexist. Having a hope is not the absence of having difficulties in our lives. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. This is our hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in an inheritance that will never spoil perish or fade and that hope coexists with loss that hope coexists with pain that hope coexists with grief that hope coexists with joy that hope coexists with love but ultimately our hope is in Jesus in 1 Peter 1 verse 13 it says this as well Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. Our hope is in Jesus. And there's uh, two characters that we uh, come to know uh, in the story of Jesus' life, quite early on in the story of Jesus' life. And they are called Simeon and Anna. And we can find them in Luke 2, 25 to 38. So if you want to flip there in your Bibles, that's Luke 2, 25 to 38. Now a little bit of uh, context here. Um, This is Jesus is being presented at the temple. So he is uh, 
not very old at this point. And uh, he's been presented at the temple, which is tradition, and they bring an offering of thanksgiving for, the, for a baby. And this is what's happening. So Mary and Joseph have taken Jesus to the temple. Uh, and it says here that they can either uh, sacrifice a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So that is what they are doing. And uh, then we're introduced to these two people, Simeon and Anna. Now, Simeon and Anna would have known the prophecies about the saviour Jesus that is to come. Many Jews would have done at this time. You know, they're, they're watching and waiting and searching for the saviour. There are prophecies as far back as Genesis, the first book in the Bible, that tell us about the lineage of Jesus, of this saviour. There's prophecies about the situation of Jesus' birth that we can read in Isaiah 7. Prophecies about his ministry, his death, his resurrection, all written before Jesus was born. And there's around 44 of those, in fact, that have all been fulfilled through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you want to read those, it is really faith building to read them. And you can, you can just Google, you know, the prophecies fulfilled by Jesus and they will come up and you can read the Old Testament verses and chapters and see the New Testament where those things were fulfilled. So Simeon and Anna would have known about all of these and in fact we read in Luke 2 25 that more than that these were people that were praying and fasting and searching and believing and putting their hope in this saviour that was to come. They were desperate to see this saviour. So let's read. Luke 2, 25 to 38. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means waiting for this saviour who was going to come and free Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna never lost hope. It says in here that Anna is 84, and most people believe 
that uh, Simeon was around 112 years old at this point. So both of them are pretty old. They've lived a life in hope, waiting. They never gave up. They didn't lose their hope. In fact, Simeon was convinced. The Spirit told him he would not die until he saw this saviour who was coming to Israel. They never lost hope. They didn't lose hope under oppressive rule from the Romans. They didn't lose hope in the civil wars. They didn't lose hope in the bloody revolutions. They didn't lose hope in the face of what seemed to be quite a hopeless situation. They allowed hope to coexist with the realities and the difficulties of the world that they lived in. And Simeon and Anna did not neglect their hope. Now, what I mean by that is they didn't just say, yes, my hope is in this saviour that will come and I'm going to carry on with my life as normal and hope that it happens. They didn't neglect their hope. They, put, they worked at their hope. They put prayer into their hope. They fasted into their hope. They didn't neglect the hope that was inside them that this saviour would come. I imagine from what we've read about them, they probably shared this hope with other people, anyone who would listen probably, about the hope. They did not neglect it. It says in uh, verse 37 that uh, Anna, Anna was a widow and she was 84 and she was only married for eight years when her husband died. And after that, she devoted the rest of her life to living in this temple, to worshipping, to praying, to fasting, because she believed that what was to come was worth that. She didn't remarry. She didn't, you know, go out and, and live a life. Not that it would have been a great life, actually, as a widow, a young widow, living in, in, uh, in, in, in that time. She never lost hope. She devoted her life to being in the temple. She didn't neglect it. And we know from, uh, from Simeon's life, it says in verse 25, that he was righteous and devoted and that he was waiting. And then in verse 26, it says that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die. And then in verse 27, that he was moved to go to the temple on that particular day to go and meet the Saviour. That can only happen to somebody who's invested in their prayer life. That can only happen to somebody who's really invested in their hope, who is not neglecting their hope. This man, Simeon, must have been so in tune with God to hear these promises and to be prompted to go to the temple on that day and desperate, desperate to see this saviour because he knew the good that was to come. His hope was in what was to come. And then later on in, in verse 38, we see that the fulfilment of their hope moved them to action. The fulfillment of their hope moved them to action. Verse 38 says this, 
Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. They didn't keep the hope to themselves. The fulfillment of their hope they shared with anybody who would listen. Anybody who would listen, come, come, listen, come see this. This is the fulfillment of the promises, the prophecies. This is the fulfillment of God's word. This is our saviour. This is the Messiah. Come look, look, he's here. Our hope has arrived. Come, come see. This is Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah of Israel, our saviour. Come, put your hope in him. Anybody who would listen. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15, it says this, one of my favorite verses. But in your heart set apart, uh, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. What hits me about that verse, though, is that if you're giving a reason, it's probably because somebody's asked you. How come you don't seem to be afraid? Or how come you can go through this terrible situation but still have hope? But for them to ask you that, that question, they need to see hope in you. To ask you, why do you what is this hope that you have? Why are you not afraid? Why are you not upset? Or, or even in your fear and your sadness, how can you still hold on to hope? People are only going to ask us the reason for our hope if they see hope in us. If we're not showing that we have a hope in something, I'm not going to ask. And uh, hearing about Simeon and Anna really challenged me of reading about them. Um, characters I've read about passed over. Oh, that's cool. Wow, amazing people. But really, when you spend the time reading and rereading and digging into what is said, you often find yourself being challenged, which is a good thing. It made me think, how often do I pray for Jesus to come again? And actually, really, honestly, if I ask myself that question, do I want Jesus to come again? Because that would mean, well, that would mean that I, I wouldn't work at the place that I work at anymore, you know? That would mean that, well, I have my house that I really like, <laughs> well, would I still live there? And what about, what about my family? What about my husband? What, you know, is there marriage in heaven? Ooh, because oh, I, I quite like being married. You know? That's when I'm placing my hope in the things that I have in this world. I'm placing my hope in my marriage. I'm placing my hope in my job. 
I'm facing my hope in my home. And I'm losing sight of the promise of the hope that is to come. That when Jesus returns, we will be in the presence of God, face to face with God, living in a world without suffering. We have to refocus sometimes, don't we, and remind ourselves, what is the true hope? What is the living hope? And what are the things that I just, you know, I enjoy? And one verse that uh, I find really encouraging, which is funny to say because it's in Job. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, Job 19. It's two verses, actually. 25 to 27. You know, when, when things are feeling a bit hopeless, when we're faced with challenging situations, when we have hopes, which it is okay to hope in these things, you know? To hope that we are healthy, to hope that, you know, we, our family are healthy. You know, it's okay to have hopes in these things. These are, these are good things to hope in. I'm talking about that core hope, that core hope that has to be in Jesus. When things are hard, when things aren't going the way I want them to, when I'm struggling, when I'm sad, when I'm, you know, wondering what's going on in the world. I flick to Job. <laughs> Job 19, 25 to 27 says this. And I ask myself, I say, what do I know? Olivia, what do you know? I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. What do I know? I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another. How my heart yearns within me. It's a good question to ask yourself. Maybe when your mind's telling you things that aren't necessarily true, you know. I don't, don't think you did very well in that meeting. I don't think that person uh, enjoyed your preach this morning. I don't think, you know, you're very good at that. This world seems a bit crazy and a bit hectic and I'm a bit afraid actually because what about climate change and what about war and what if something terrible happens to somebody? What do I know, Olivia? What do you know? And I know that my Redeemer lives and I know that one day he will stand upon the earth and one day I will see him face to face. It's important to go back to the things that we know, to remind ourselves where our hope is. Our hope is in Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Saviour, who will come again. And my hope is that I will be found in him. And my hope is in God. My hope is in God because... Well, the Bible tells me all the reasons why I should hope in God. Because God, God is steadfast. God 
is sovereign. God is faithful. God is just. God is my refuge. God is my strength. God is my father. God is trustworthy. God is my deliverer and my protector. God is my savior. God is my defender. God is gentle. God is my comforter. And this list could go on and on and on. This is what I put my hope in. This is what we put our hope in. And why would we not? When we know these truths, when we know these truths, why would we not put our hope in God? Lord, we're so grateful, but grateful doesn't do it justice. To be able to place our hope in you. And in this season of Advent, as we wait with anticipation for the arrival of the baby Jesus, the saviour of the world, we also place our hope in the King that is to come and return and bring with him the end to suffering and to bring with him the consolation of all of the people, not just the people of Israel, but to all people, to God. And as we worship you, God, would we remember all of these things that you are and more to each of us? faithful, just, steadfast, sovereign, our refuge, our defender, our protector, our trustworthy God. 
our God who brings light in darkness. A God who promises to be with us to the very end of the days, who never leaves us, neglects us, forsakes us or forgets us. A God that is willing to sacrifice to be with us. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.